Sony. Hello, Canada. Welcome to another full edition of Canadian Common Sense. Today's date is February 17th, 2021, and it is Tony here in sunny Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in sunny BC. How are you, my friend? A lot warmer than I was last week. Well, that's, that, that's good because I was worried about you guys down there. I mean, getting just <laughs> below zero, you may have had to put a toque on. <laughs> I did, too. <laughs> yeah. I did. I, I did put a toque on. Um, yeah. I'm glad you had one. Yeah. How are you? I am not as livid now as I was this morning because I've had all day to cool off. But boy, are we going to have a good show today. I'm telling you that right now, Canada, because Lewis and I have been sending each other texts and articles for the last few days that have been doing nothing but getting the blood boiling. <laughs> yeah um it's funny because this time that i've had to stew on things has made me angrier so uh, instead of cooling off like you but all right well then we <laughs> should have a good one today canada on the show today tony is furious with mark garneau lewis is furious with bill blair all of canada should be furious with justin trudeau but happy with Aaron O'Toole because he finally took a stand on something. And you've heard of working from home? Well, how about working from vacations? All this and more. Where do you want to start, sir? Well, let's get some quick ones out of the way. Because we're going to be spending a lot of time on Bill Blair. Yes, we so, are. So let's start with uh, working from uh, your vacation. Great idea. Now, I'll let you take this one because you just brought this to my attention this afternoon, and it just leaves me face-palming. Yeah. An Ontario judge who has been assigned to civil and criminal uh, cases throughout um, several courthouses in southern Ontario... Uh, has been presiding over the cases via, I guess, I, I don't know if the, if the court system has a different pro, like a different uh, system than Zoom or, or Microsoft Teams, but maybe that's what they're using, has been presiding over the cases using these programs, which I believe almost all uh, judges have been using throughout Canada during this pandemic. Uh, because, you know, it's just too damn dangerous to have everybody in the same courtroom. Um, and this judge has been presiding over the cases from the Turks and Caicos. Well, how about that? That's, uh, that's real access to justice. Yeah. And the, this judge, uh, the judge is a female judge. We don't know the name. We only know her sex. I, for whatever that means, because who knows, she could be a guy. We don't know anymore. Um, but this female judge, and I'm going to say female judge because we don't know her name, um, left for the Turks and Caicos just days after the judiciary was ordered not to travel. The Chief Justice for Ontario 
is defending this because the judge informed the chief justice's office of her plans to do this before she left. See, this is what really pisses me off uh, about this whole situation. It's and you brought it up earlier when uh, before we started the show when you said it's rules for me and rules for thee. Now, this lady is just thumbing her nose at travel restrictions that you and I have to abide by and taking this whole working remotely thing just a little bit too far. Yeah. I mean, we've got politicians, we've got senior bureaucrats, we've got uh political aides we have judges all saying the rules are for the little guys we'll do what we want yep exactly and it's really getting old i mean it's and we're the more we find out about this you're right i mean it's politicians it's their staffers it's up top level bureaucrats now it's judiciary and the longer this goes, the more the people are just going to come out that we've found this. So enough is enough. Like this, what really ticks me off is the chief, sorry, chief justice of Ontario is sanctioning this. Um, no, it is not okay. It is not okay to be in a completely different country and presiding over Canadian legal cases. I mean, internet security is it actually a thing? And I really think that you're compromising the trials that she's providing presiding over by being in a foreign country. Yeah, absolutely. And now that it's public, the 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 security and privacy of these trials is even in more danger. Good and point. yet, and yet, the chief justice has said that that judge is not scheduled to return from the Turks and Caicos for another month. So, I mean, it must be nice to be able to work from the Turks and Caicos for three months. No kidding. And uh, as a side note, there has been a few different pushes over the decades to uh, bring Turks and Caicos into the Canadian Confederation as a, as a province or a protectorate. Had that happened, I would have not have a problem with, with this situation. But... Currently, Turks and Caicos is still a British protectorate and a separate island nation in the Caribbean. So this has just got wrong written all over it. Yeah, big time. And it's just the first of many things we're going to talk about today that that has got us fuming. Absolutely right. So uh, let's move to the next one that should get a lot of people in Canada upset. And that is that Canada has dropped down quote, into the 50s on the, the list of countries whose citizens are vaccinated. Now, first is Israel. They've got over half of their population vaccinated already. Canada, are we 2.5%? At any rate, we are well into the 50s as far as vaccinations are concerned. And that's absolutely embarrassing. Now, Pfizer has promised they're going to deliver I believe it's 148,000 doses this week, starting tomorrow, Thursday. And Moderna has said, oh, actually, we're reducing 
your doses this week. But, of course, Justin Trudeau has assured us that we will have our is it 4 million doses or 6 million doses by the end of March. I can't even remember the lies anymore. I believe it was 6 million. Okay, yeah. And we'll still have those by the end of March, which means we're going to need to get the better part of a million a week from here on in. Yeah, this is this is the government's total and complete incompetence on display. I mean, we this is something that every other first world country is getting somewhat somewhat right. And we couldn't get it right at all. I mean, we didn't we didn't negotiate the ability to manufacture the vaccines on Canadian soil. We didn't uh, get any kind of assurances that we would get vaccines. We uh, we are now dipping into the uh, the vaccine pool that is actually supposed to be for third world countries, and. Our government, all they can say is we've got the most diverse portfolio of vaccines of any country in the world. Well, a lot of good it does us if we don't have any vaccines. See, that's just the thing. I could not give two blanks about the diversity of our portfolio and the fact that if all these manufacturers come through we will have 80 million doses by the end of the year or by the end of september or whenever it is and polls are even showing that canadians don't give a crap how many doses we are promised to get or we should get what canadians care about now is that we don't have any doses period and now pfizer is telling us we have to get six doses per vial instead of five so now they're likely going to cut our shipment numbers in order to, uh, or numbers of vials, sorry, to reflect that. And all Canadians are saying right now is everybody's getting needles, but us. Yeah. And Jagmeet Singh and all his wisdom stood up in the House of Commons and said, we need to enlist the military to help uh, get the vaccines rolled out across the country. <laughs> hey, Jagmeet Singh. I got news for you, moron. The military is in charge of getting the vaccines uh, distributed to the to the entire country. Exactly. But the provinces are in control of actually arm of of actually jabbing people's arms. And what good is the military going to do if? We don't have any vaccines. Well, exactly. And the military You're the dumbest is... politician in Canada. You are the dumbest politician in Canada. He is. He absolutely is. And it's he should know that the military is rolling out the vaccine because well, he should know. We all know. And we're just regular citizens. And if he's suggesting that the military needs to be there to start sticking needles in arms, well, I guess, but the provinces have the staff, they have the ability, and we're hearing provincial premiers 
daily say, we're ready to go, but we need vaccines to go with. And we don't have them. We don't have them. Yeah. So, Jagmeet Singh, here's a challenge to you. Explain what good having government, uh, you know, Air Force, like Canadian Air Force planes flying vaccines across the country is going to do. Like, I don't get it. I don't know what how that's going to help. I mean, the dis- distribution hasn't been a factor yet. I mean, the distribution has actually gone quite smoothly because they're using the Canadian, like the provinces are using their respective healthcare systems to administer the vaccines. And that, that's gone well. Except we don't have any vaccines. Exactly. So I don't know. I, I don't know what he's proposing. I don't understand this. Is he just trying to stand up in the House of Commons just to get his name on the news? Because that's about all he's doing. You know what? He does like to hear himself talk. I and mean, he was on with uh, with uh, Vachi Capellos and Power and Politics. Yeah, surprise, surprise. He's, he's, he's like the politician that's on there the most. Yeah, he really does get a lot of airtime there. You're right. And, of course, yeah, he had nothing to say, but he wanted to get on there and criticize that that we need the military more involved. But like you say, go ahead and bring them in, but we've got nothing for them to do. Yeah. So idiot. Absolute moron. So I do want to bring one. I can't even call it a shining light, but we'll knock this one down fairly quickly. I did rant last week that I wish that, Aaron O'Toole would take a stand on something just to prove that he's at least got an opinion. Well, he finally stood up and said the Beijing Olympics for 2022 should be relocated. Yeah. I thought, well, good. At least he said something that was sensible, I guess. Yeah, I agree. And I agree with him 100%. Although, I also question whether the Olympics should even be held there right now. I mean, is this really the time for the Olympics? I mean, the world has much, much bigger problems to deal with right now. But if if the Olympics must go on, I don't think they should be in China. I'm with you. And uh, and I guess, obviously, Mr. O'Toole. I mean, he's right. There is. I don't know if I like the idea of boycott necessarily. I mean, I, I guess if it has to come to that, uh, although as Mr. Harper had said in 2008, boycotts really hurt the athletes more than they hurt anything else but yeah i think the international olympic committee could make that decision and just say okay you know what winter olympics don't need to be in china let's put them somewhere where it's actually cold yeah well i think they should just be saying look we are revoking the olympics from china and we are going to postpone the olympics for another, you know, two years or whatever, so that another country can prepare to host them. Um, This is not, China should not be hosting anything. I mean, they are the ones responsible for the situation this world finds it's in right now, finds itself in. And they have not taken responsibility they have not, and uh, then they continue to this day. They continue to lie about COVID 
and not just its origins, but they continue to lie about how how uh, COVID is even affecting China right now. I mean, they they're claiming pretty much that they've eradicated it, which we all know is BS. I mean, all you have to do is just look at look at uh, like. Twitter feeds and stuff like they're illegal feeds because they're not allowed to be on Twitter in China. But people from China who are saying like online that like they're under they're in lockdown. And people are dying all around them. But the Chinese government keeps claiming nobody's dying. Mm -hmm. And as long as China is committing genocide. They shouldn't be hosting a goddamn thing. No, that's right. And I was really put off when um, Dick Pound, who is with the Canadian IOC delegation, and he's been involved in, with the Olympics for decades. He was, I can't even describe how it was. I didn't really appreciate his tone when he suggested that it's not China's Olympics, it's the IOC's Olympics, which just happened to be being hosted in China next year. And I just thought, I'm so tired of bureaucratic doublespeak. Like, China does not deserve to host an international basket weaving competition right now. China is a crap show. Keep it family friendly. And they, they don't deserve an Olympic Games. They don't deserve the prestige involved with Olympic Games. And a matter of fact, they, I, I would punish their athletes and say, you know what? You don't even deserve to be at Olympic Games right now. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that for sure. But yeah, it's ridiculous. But... And, and Dick Pound is someone that I've always had a lot of respect for. I, he He's the one who spearheaded the anti-doping. Uh, he is... He is uh, he's he's a legend in Olympic in, in the Canadian Olympic com- uh, community. He's a legend, and this this kind of diminishes his legacy. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, I find myself agreeing with Aaron O'Toole. And I'm glad he. It made that stand. So, yeah, but honestly, that's an easy thing to take a stand on. I mean, he needs to take a stand on something that's not easy. Oh yeah, no, yeah, it'd be nice on something that's a bit more, you know, Canadian. But maybe it's a start. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I I I really, really hope that they put up a big fight with with. The, the with the topic we're going to be talking about a little later, which is the new gun control measures. Yeah, well, Hutch, why don't we uh, go? Do you want to do gun control or do you want to talk about Mark Garneau? Well, actually, one thing I want to bring up just before we talk about those, because it's another quick item we can knock off the list, sure. and I forgot to mention it to you before the show, but uh, this is an international story, uh, and it's funny because nobody's really making uh and nobody's really making it a story and it should be because the irony is 
is so thick you could cut it with a knife. And that is in Israel. And people who have been vaccinated in Israel will get a what they call a green pass, which will allow them to do anything they want in Israeli uh, daily life, including shopping and going to restaurants and all of that kind of stuff. And they get this pass for being vaccinated. And I just find the irony to be just unreal. I mean, this is the same people who were identified, publicly identified uh, in Germany under the Nazis. Well, that is interesting, isn't it? That's, uh, that's actually kind of scary to think that. And I mean, that's actually something that I'm not sure if it was you had brought it up, but we had talked about it on a, on a show at any rate about the, the COVID passports that, you know, you, yeah. I think I think you had said you could see the government going that way to for you know COVID passports for air travel, for example, and it sounds like Israel has got that ball rolling. Yeah, and and we actually talked about that. I think back in May or June of last year, uh, like we talked about it early on about this being a possibility. Like once there was a vaccine, that people would have these health passports, and. Uh, and we were actually told that we're conspiracy nuts for believing that. That's true. We certainly are. And yet, and yet here it is happening in Israel. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. So let's, let's move on to uh, uh, Garneau. All right. So Mark Garneau was on Power and Politics a couple of days ago. Uh, Proud as can be of this big announcement that Canada is leading a group of 58 nations who are all signed on to a declaration condemning nations who use, quote, hostage diplomacy. But Mr. Garneau refused to suggest that Perhaps it was China that this was aimed at and that China might be using hostage diplomacy for the two Michaels who are now on day 800 in captivity in Chinese prisons. And what infuriated me, and that was what I texted you about, that I I was so mad I was ready to to strike something, is Vashi Capellas actually tried to nail him down and she actually tried to ask some of the hard questions and he refused to give her an answer at all. And, uh, and that's what ticked me off the most. Like she said flat out, well, you know, are you, are you saying China? And he would just dance around it and she said, well, okay, are you suggesting that maybe it's, it's, it's China? You know, has this, is this policy have anything to do with China? Do these countries have a problem with China? And, no matter how much she would ask, he refused to say the word China and would just talk about nations. And he was stumbling and she actually had him on the ropes, but he just would not give an answer. And it's like, for crying out loud, everybody can see the word China behind this, this policy, behind this 
organization of nations. So just bloody well say China, China. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's not just that one. I mean, how about the, the genocide being perpetrated on the weaker Muslims? How dare I mean, you say genocide? Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> I know just, Justin Trudeau doesn't like, just doesn't want to say that. Um, and you know who else doesn't want to say it is Joe Biden. Joe Biden actually referred to the genocide of Uyghur Muslims as differences in culture. Differences in culture. Yeah, it's called cultural genocide. <laughs> and in Canada, we don't believe in that. We don't, but you know... When the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, the last one that uh, went through, I'm positive there was somebody in the Liberal government who had referred to Canada's treatment of First Nations people as a cultural genocide. But yet, we can't call a nation that imprisons Uyghur Muslims, outright kills Uyghur Muslims, sterilizes them, puts them into concentration camps, and into education camps for uh, you know which are indoctrination camps, but we can't call they that will. a genocide. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree that what happened to the natives in Canada and with the uh, residential school system, I don't disagree that that was cultural genocide. It it, it absolutely was general or. Uh, uh, cultural genocide but what's happening to the Uyghur Muslims as Justin Trudeau said all the I's must be dotted and the T's be crossed before he calls it genocide um, what they're doing over there is far worse than what happened here and he and he 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 himself has no trouble saying that what happened to the First Nations in Canada was cultural genocide. What's happening over there is absolutely cultural genocide and genocide in general, because they're not just like trying to rid them of their culture; they're tr they kill them. Yeah, that's right. And I can't understand like. We all know that Trudeau loves China. Okay, we get that. And agree, disagree, or otherwise, whatever. But how can anybody not call this for what it is? Like, as much as I like you, Lewis, if you were beating the crap out of somebody who was disabled, for example, I'd have no problem saying, you know what, you are an absolute jerk. But... Trudeau does everything in his power to look the other way while China is committing, like you say, actual genocide. I mean, look up genocide in the dictionary, Canada. You're going to see this right there. Yeah, and, and he doesn't just look the other way. I mean, we've got the five eyes uh security group which canada is a part of where the other four members are threatening canada with not sharing 
uh, intelligence with us because we won't ban Huawei. And Trudeau went one step further than not banning Huawei and actually including Huawei in uh, the university system in Canada. Yep, that's right. Huawei is, is now a financial partner in Canadian university research into IT and electrical engineering. Well, how could that go wrong? I mean, what the hell? Yeah, like, I'm, I'm angry about this, and we haven't even gotten to the part where the, that I'm really angry about. So, I mean, this is this is BS. I mean, this is this is like. This is almost treason. Yeah, I mean, that's a strong word, but I mean, he's, without a doubt, he's he's selling us out. I mean, and Trudeau is dumb. There's no question the guy is absolutely dumb. So, but I can't even give him a pass because you cannot be so stupid that you can't see how you are selling out your own country. I mean, even Trudeau is not that stupid. Isn't he? I hope he's not. <laughs> I mean, because what, what you can't, what you, what you can't chalk up to um, stupidity has got to be malice. Yeah. Yeah. Really no other way to say it, is there? No. Well, speaking I, of malice, yeah, exactly. I was just going to say that. Speaking <laughs> of malice, <laughs> I don't even know where to start on this next next topic because Bill Blair went in so many directions in a very short interview that that yeah. Where do you want to start with this one? Oh, let's start with the handgun ban or that the ability for cities to ban handguns. Yeah, no, Trudeau had floated this idea back in, what was it, January, when he brought the order in council to ban 1,500 different rifles, and they keep adding to it almost daily. He had floated the idea then of you know, that possibly municipalities should have the ability to decide if, whether or not to ban handguns. And... It was a stupid idea then, and it's still a stupid idea. Yeah, and they've actually gone ahead and put it into a bill. And it's it's completely asinine. I mean, you look at the city of Vancouver. The city of Vancouver has said that they will go ahead and ban handguns as soon as that legislation is passed. So has the city of Surrey. But you've got Langley, you've got New Westminster, North Vancouver, West Vancouver, and a handful of others that are all basically part of the same metro like metropolitan area. They, I mean, they're all attached. All that divides them are, are, you know, on one side of the street is Vancouver. The other side of the street is West Vancouver. And I mean, if you've got two out of like the six or eight of them that there are, uh, I mean, 
And let, let's, it, I mean, it, it makes no sense, but let's, let's, let me explain something to Canadians. Handguns in Canadians in, in Canada is be, are basically, they're almost illegal as it is. They're called, they're what's called a restricted weapon or restricted firearm of which both Tony and I have licenses for. Uh, I don't actually own one because it's such a pain in the in the backside to own one in Canada. I've just decided not to bother. I do have my license, though. Now, the, the reason it's such a pain in Canada to own a handgun is because the only place in Canada you're allowed to shoot one is at a registered shooting range. I am not even allowed to take it from my house into the bush and shoot at a target in the bush. Not allowed to do that. That's illegal. That would get me uh, sentenced to prison. Now, here's, here's where things get even more difficult in Canada. And that is, if I'm going to the range which I have to be a member of before I can even buy the handgun. And it's the only range I'm allowed to go to. I have to transport the gun from my house to the firing range. Now, if I deviate from the shortest possible route, I'm breaking the law and I've just committed a firearms offense. If I stop for gas, even if it's on my route, if I stop for gas, I've broken the law and committed a firearms offense. If I pick my friend up, if he, even if he is on the route, if I pick my friend up with his handgun to go to the range, I have just broken the law and committed a firearms offense. You are not allowed to store your handgun in your bedside table, for instance. They must be kept in a safe. The ammunition must be kept in a separate location in the house. The laws around handguns in Canada are extremely, extremely strict. If I sell my house and I have to take my firearms to my new house, I have to apply for a permit with the RCMP to do so a minimum of 30 days before we move. So if someone, if you sell your house and the new owner wants to take possession of your place in two weeks, you actually cannot do that by law if you own a handgun. There are like really, really strict rules in Canada around handguns. Now, what, what does this not do? This does not stop gangbangers from buying handguns off the street, which are 
almost entirely smuggled in from the U.S. and going around and shooting people. Because they don't give a crap what the laws are. Yeah, see, and that was what really ticked me off uh, about the interview is he didn't really touch on that aspect of it uh, as far as gangbangers with illegal guns. He decided to go down the road, and this is why we posted on our Facebook page earlier today that Bill Blair outright lied because he said one of the biggest concerns was legal gun owners illegally selling handguns to criminals and those criminals committing crimes with those legal handguns. And if I had been interviewing him, I would have said, name me one instance where that has happened. Cause Tony Bernardo, who is the head of the, I can't even remember the organization. Uh, it's, it's the national firearms organization. It, the name escapes me now and I'm a member. So it's really, really bad. Yeah, the Canadian Coalition of Firearms. That's is the that one. Yeah, yeah, CCF. Yeah. So anyway, Mr. Bernardo had said, I believe he said there was one instance in the entire history of this country where a, a legally acquired handgun was illegally sold to someone who then in turn committed a crime with that handgun. Once. But yeah, because, Bill because, in Canada, that, because in Canada, reselling a handgun without, without, uh, without going through the proper channels is a firearms offense and gets you sent to prison. Exactly. Nobody in their right mind is buying guns legally and selling them illegally. Nobody in Canada is doing that. No. And that's what ticked me off that he would even suggest that. And then his next lame ass argument was that, well, we need to be concerned about legal, lawful handgun owners who, whose mental state may be compromised by the pandemic or by a divorce or by a, a change in their mental state. And I just thought, how is your mental state right now, Mr. Blair? Because you're sounding like one of those insane conspiracy theorists you accuse us of being. Yeah, and you know what? That is a, um, a fallacy as well. I mean, it it's it's already in the Firearms Act that a spouse or family member can uh, can express these these concerns to the RCMP, and they can get a warrant and come and seize your firearms until it has been proven that you are of sound mind. It's already in the Firearms Act, but the change that was made was that the police no longer need a warrant. Oh. Well, that I didn't hear. Isn't yeah. that wonderful? Yeah, they no longer need a warrant. For crying out loud. Now, see, now, Canada, here's another thing about the restricted firearms license that Lewis and I both hold uh, for the possession and acquisition. For a restricted firearms license, you have to give references before you can even get that that firearms license. And if you happen to be divorced, you have to put down your ex-spouse as one of those references. So it makes it very, very difficult even just to get that license in the first place. So 
give your head a shake, Mr. Blair, that if you think that lawful firearms owners are going to dare to tread the line on anything that would be illegal. And I don't understand that. That's the biggest thing. I don't understand the thinking behind demonizing and criminalizing those people who are dancing on the head of a pin to follow the laws and make certain that they followed every regulation because they just want to go to the, to the gun range and completely ignoring the people who thumb their nose at the law, bring in guns from the United States and go around shooting and robbing people with them. Look at Toronto right now. It's because of all the handgun violence in Toronto that this is even an issue. And the police in Toronto even admit, and the politicians even admit that those crimes are being committed by guns smuggled in from the United States. So it's just, I'm just, I'm beside myself. I'm so ticked at this. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you've even got the uh, uh, Premier Mo of Saskatchewan, your premier, who has come out and publicly stated, you know, when this, when this gun ban came into effect last year, the Saskatchewan government actually passed a bill in their legislature that prevents Saskatchewan cities from going through with a handgun ban. Yeah. And the Alberta government is going ahead with their own legislation to prevent the cities in uh, Alberta from doing, from going ahead with the handgun ban as well. And what's and, funny is that Doug Ford has actually said the same thing, that they're going to do the same thing. And I had to laugh because, I mean, the Toronto, greater Toronto area is exactly the same as what you were discussing with Vancouver. It's a, a group of, diff- of different cities, you know, separated by a traffic light. And so now Doug Ford has said, you know, logically, thank you, Mr. Ford, that they're going to pass similar legislation to say, no, sorry, we're not doing this. Yeah, because and here's what uh, Canadians may not know is that cities are provincial jurisdiction. The federal government cannot dictate to a city what they can, what they can or can't do. The provincial governments can do that. Right. Yeah. So that's why the provincial governments have this power. And the B.C. government is not going to do that. I know that. Um, And it's disturbing to me. That they that they won't uh, go ahead with that legislation because it means that they don't uh, they support the federal government taking or stepping into their jurisdiction, and that to me alone that alone should be enough for all the provinces to uh, pass legislation saying that that cities aren't allowed to ban handguns because uh, just just on the basis that the federal government is stepping into their jurisdiction. Yeah, I'm with you. And and here's here's the thing. Like my longest and closest friend, been friends since grade eight. He's an RCMP officer. And he told me himself, he said, the government should not be telling us what firearms we are and are not allowed to own. He said. The only firearms that should be banned in Canada are actual 
weapons of war. So fully automatic uh, weapons um, should be should be banned. And I, I I don't disagree with that. I do think that maybe maybe you know if you want to open if you want to go buy a couple hundred acres and you want to open up a like a a, a a shooting range for people to come and experience what an actual weapon of war is like to fire you should be allowed to do that i think um but he said he's even in favor of concealed and open carry because he said if you are trained on gun safety and you have taken a tactical uh shoot and don't shoot course then you should be allowed to carry a handgun concealed or open in canada and he said if you look at the states that allow open or concealed handgun carry permits those states have lower murder and violent crime rates than canada He's it's absolutely this, right. It's the states that have banned handguns or made it nearly impossible to own handguns where the uh, where the crime rates and the murder rates are extremely high. And he's absolutely correct. He is, and I actually I agree with him wholeheartedly. We, we should actually have an open carry or concealed carry law in Canada. I'd be all for it, even if I chose not to apply for, for that license. I think anybody who, as you say, has taken those tactical safety courses should be able to apply. Yeah, because they go through shoot and don't shoot situations, right, to teach you how to you know, how to make these decisions. Like the art, like the police go through these courses. And uh, if you want to have a, a open carry or concealed carry permit, you should have to pass one of these courses beforehand. And I agree with them in, uh, wholeheartedly. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, and, and here's the other thing that, that the government did, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're just reinforcing basically this, this uh, order in council that they did last spring. And it includes, you know, the, the banning of, of over 1500. And I think it's all, I think it's over 2000 now uh, different firearms in Canada based on arbitrary criteria that they made up in their stupid heads. Uh such as banning the AR-15 and all variants of it, which you and I both know that not a single person in Canadian history has ever been killed by someone with an AR-15. Yeah, that's true. And then I heard, I think it was a Taxpayers Federation, and there was a person saying that, well, there's not any consistency because type of gun X is banned, but a similar gun to it, type Y, is not. And all I could think was, don't give them any ideas, because one of the rifles that has not yet been banned is one that 
I possess and I like it. So I really don't want it getting banned. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I've got one of the criteria, believe it or not, Canada, (laughs) one of the criteria for banning a gun is what it looks like. Yep. (laughs) This is the, this is actually the major criteria and it's called modern design versus traditional design traditional design is like a wood or laminate or or uh or a synthetic stock that looks like wood like a wood stock right with uh but as soon as you make the grip on your stock have a pistol grip you know all of a sudden that is that is modern design if your stock is polycarbonate that is modern design and because it because the polycarbonate stocks look like um and they're not but they look like military rifles even though they're not military rifles there's a very big difference in the uh in the uh construction of them it they just look like military rifles uh a i i happen to own a a semi-automatic 20 gauge shotgun that on the surface looks like a military rifle but it's just a 20 autumn it's just a 20 gauge semi-automatic shotgun it's really no different than uh, than a uh, another than than any other twenty gauge semi automatic shotgun. It just happens to have a polycarbonate stock, but it's really no different, and it only holds three three shotgun shells, which is what is legal for hunting in Canada. Yeah, but and it's not banned because it's not a rifle. Oh gosh, so. I mean, it, it's 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 insane. It's absolutely insane. Yep, and it's only getting worse, Canada. That's the sad part. Is as long as this government stays in power, it is only getting worse. And and they just show their total and complete incompetence on a daily basis. And with legislation like like this bill and the uh, uh, their stance on China. And their their complete incompetence and ineptitude with vaccines. I mean, it, it's just every day their incompetence is on full display, and yet Canadians continue to support them. Uh, it, it it's just it's sickening, absolutely sickening. And this is something I have said for a long time. I've said it many times in the show. I'm going to say it again. Canadians have an extremely high tolerance for liberal corruption, but they have no tolerance for conservative policies. Yeah, that's well said. And probably just as good a way to wrap the show up as any. I see we're just a little past our time here. so I got one last thing to 
to say, and that is, I just want to thank our listeners for letting their friends know and their family know that that to listen to our show because our listenership has uh, taken a sharp uptick in the last couple of weeks, and uh, we really, really appreciate it. We are not doing this because it's making us rich. In fact, we make nothing off this show. It's we we do this because we. We love our country and we're tired of seeing Canadians being done wrong by government. And we want to make people aware of things that the mainstream media doesn't seem to be covering, or if they do, it's a back page story. It's not headline news. And we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for spreading the word about our show and we are we are very very uh grateful to you well said actually on that note uh there is one friend of mine who listens to our show who actually shared it on his telegraph channel and you know exactly who you are my friend and thank you very much for that yeah thank you so until next week, Canada, you'll hear some uh, rants from uh, one or two of us over the next week. But uh, until next week, it's Lewis out here in BC. And it's Tony in Saskatchewan. Tony.